Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is April 8th. Today we're going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me block. But before we get to Exodus chapter 16, I want to revisit for just a second something that we talked about yesterday. Yesterday we talked about the symbolism here with the bitter waters becoming sweet because of a certain tree that Moses was inspired to put inside the water. We talked about the symbolism of the tree of life and the atonement of Jesus Christ turning bitter things sweet. Now, I just wanted to expand on that just briefly because I had a listener named Steve reach out with an incredible insight that I just had to share. He pointed out that early apostles of Jesus Christ used to refer in a few different spots to the cross as a tree. They talked about Christ being hung on a tree. Again, that symbolism that the atonement of Jesus Christ can make the bitter be sweet in our lives. Bishop Kausay once said, When was the last time you felt the sweet influence of the Savior's atonement in your life? This happens when you feel an exquisite and sweet joy come over you that bears witness to your soul that your sins are forgiven or when your painful trials suddenly become lighter to bear, or when your heart is softened and you are able to express forgiveness to someone who has hurt you, or it may be each time you notice your capacity to love and serve others has increased, or that the process of sanctification is making you a different person, patterned after the Savior's example. I bear witness that all these experiences are real and are evidence that lives can be changed through faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement. My friends, I want to re-emphasize and re-testify of the fact that all that is bitter in our lives can be made sweet in and through and because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Now, the timeline on that may vary. Sometimes we expect our hard things to be made easy or to be taken away immediately because of our faith, and that's not how it works all the time. But I do testify of the immediate goodness of God that Elder Holland Jr. taught us about a few conferences ago, that even in the hard times, even in the hard things, when the bitterness might not be taken away immediately, the love of God is immediate and his goodness and his kindness can be immediate as well in our lives. So let's continue on into Exodus chapter 16. Now we're going to see again the murmuring of the children of Israel. Again, let's remember they have experienced the love of God. They have experienced miracles. They have seen incredible things. But let's take a look at what happens. Starting in verse 2, it says, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Now, first of all, I just want to pause there and talk about murmuring. Murmuring, we learn in 1 Nephi chapter 2, comes from a lack of understanding of God and a lack of understanding about his will and his desires and how he works in our lives. So I think it's important that we understand that murmuring is different than feeling sad or feeling disappointed. And the scriptures do speak out about murmuring so often that sometimes we might feel that it's not okay to feel down or disheartened or discouraged. And my friends, I don't think that's true. Feeling down or disheartened or discouraged is not the same thing as murmuring. Murmuring is how we view God and how we view God's plans 
and how we view his hand in our lives. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to be discouraged. It's okay to feel upset. But what do we do with those feelings? Do we turn against God and our faith? Or do we allow those feelings to turn us back towards God in faith? So here we learn that the children of Israel aren't just discouraged or bummed out. They're murmuring, which means they're questioning God and his hand in their lives, which is baffling considering everything that they've experienced. Continuing in verse 3, it says, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So let's just put into perspective what they're saying here. They're saying it would have been better for us to die in Egypt, to die in bondage, to be slaves, because at least we would have died and been slaves with bread in our bellies, rather than to be free people worshiping how we want and to be feeling hunger. The thing that strikes me about this, especially as we're trying to relate it or compare it or to liken it unto ourselves, is that it would seem that the children of Israel were far more focused on the things of the world than the things of eternity. They were so focused on the temporal that they weren't worried about the eternal. And sometimes we can fall into that same trap in our lives, where we can focus so much on the here and now, where we can focus so much on the temporal that we lose sight of the eternal. Our eternal perspective is marred because of our focus on the now. And that is absolutely something that we see with the children of Israel. Now, what's interesting here is that now we've seen the children of Israel go through a famine of water and now a famine of bread. The famous scripture in Amos chapter 8 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now here, yes, the children of Israel were experiencing a famine of water and a famine of bread, but there's also a symbolism here that is so important. Jesus Christ has taught that he is the bread of life and that he is the living water. Not only were the children of Israel suffering from a physical famine, but they were experiencing a spiritual famine as well which is manifest by the fact that they are murmuring all of their situations, all of their circumstances. They're not just disappointed and disheartened by their hunger and thirst, but they're questioning God in their hunger and in their thirst. But now continuing in verse four, it says, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Now, there are a couple things that I really like here. First of all, the Lord is saying, look, let me provide for the people and then we'll see if they are going to remember me and if they are going to continue to walk in the way. Let me remove all the obstacles from them and see what they do. Because really, when it comes down to it, this problem with the children of Israel wasn't coming out of hunger and it wasn't coming out of thirst. It was coming out of losing focus on the Lord. And so now the Lord's going to show Moses that. He's going to say, okay, let me provide. Let me provide the bread. I'm going to rain bread from heaven for the children of Israel, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. 
Let me give them everything they need, and then let's see what they do. The fascinating thing about this to me, though, is that the Lord did this every single day. Well, almost every single day. For the first six days, he was going to rain bread from heaven, and he wanted them to take exactly what they needed. No more, no less. On day six, however, they would gather enough for the next day, too, so that they didn't have to work on their Sabbath. But that's interesting to me that the Lord didn't want them to gather enough for the entire week on day one. He wanted them to depend on him every single day for their needs. He wanted to show them that he could provide for them every single day. Now, don't get me wrong. The Lord wants us to be self-reliant. He wants us to strive to do our best and to provide for ourselves. That is a key principle. However, he does want us to turn to him, to pray like it all depends on him, and then get up and work like it all depends on us. He wants that humility from us every single day to recognize how much we need him. President Hinckley once said, never assume that you can make it alone. You need the help of the Lord. My friends, even in the good times, even when things are going great, let's not forget how much we need the Lord. Let's not forget our focus on him. Because when we keep our focus on him and when we allow ourselves to have the eternal perspective that he desires us to have, then even when things are hard, those negative emotions won't turn to murmuring because we will know, like Nephi, in whom we have trusted. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.